Welcome to the Beltline Church of Christ podcast. We're so glad you found us. Please take a second and hit the subscribe button so that you can be notified of these weekly podcasts. Most of all, we hope this podcast will help you take your next step with Jesus. If you want to know more about us, you can visit us at www.beltlinechurchofchrist.org. Here's today's lesson. Welcome to the Beltline Church of Christ podcast. We're so glad you found us. Please take a second and hit the subscribe button so that you can be notified of these weekly podcasts. Most of all, we hope this podcast will help you take your next step with Jesus. If you want to know more about us, you can visit us at www.beltlinechurchofchrist.org. Here's today's lesson. We're in Mark chapter 9, if you want to grab your Bibles and be opening uh, with me there. Mark chapter 9 is where we're going to spend our time today. A few weeks ago, we looked at Peter's great confession of Jesus as the Messiah. It was, a, it was a changing point. It was a turning point in the Gospels. He called then, right after that great confession, Jesus calls his disciples to a deeper level of commitment. They've been making deeper levels of commitment all along the way. But after that great confession is made, Jesus, if you remember, says, I need you now, guys, to deny yourself, take up your cross, and follow after me. Now, up until this point in the gospel story, following Jesus for these disciples had been comparatively easy. But from this point on in the gospels, it's going to get more and more and more difficult. And we're going to see that difficulty on display here in Mark chapter 9 and what we're about to read. But before we do that, I want to say up front that everything that we're going to talk about today from beginning to end is all about faith. It's all about faith. And as we read through this story, I want you to, I want you to look for that recurring theme of faith uh, that we're going to see here in Mark chapter 9, beginning in verse 14. But what I also want you to see as we are looking at this idea of faith is this fundamental truth that I think is so important for you and I to grasp. And here it is. Faith unleashes a new power in our lives. And I'm asking you today not only to believe that, uh, but, but to live that out every single day of your life. Faith unleashes a new power in our lives. Let's read verse 14, chapter 9. And when they came to the disciples, they saw a great crowd around them. Remember, Jesus has just been transfigured on the mountain. Uh, There's this amazing moment. And as they're walking off of that mountain, from that mountaintop experience, literally, this is what's taking place. Verse 15. Immediately, all the crowd, when they saw him, were greatly amazed and ran up to him and greeted him. And he asked them, what are you arguing about with them? And someone from the crowd answered him, Teacher, I brought my son to you, for he has a spirit that makes him mute. And whenever it seizes him, it throws him down, and he foams and grinds his teeth and becomes rigid. So I ask your disciples to cast it out, and they were not able. And he answered them, O faithless generation, how long am I to be with you? How long am I to bear with you? Bring him to me. And when they brought the boy to him, and when the spirit saw him immediately, it convulsed the boy, and he fell on the ground and rolled about, foaming at the mouth. And Jesus asked his father, how long has this been happening to him? And he said, from childhood. And it is often cast him into the fire and into the water to destroy him. But if 
If you can do anything, have compassion on us and help us. And Jesus said to him, if you can, all things are possible for one who believes. And immediately the father of the child cried out and said, I believe, help my unbelief. And when Jesus saw that the crowd came running together, he rebuked the unclean spirit, saying to it, you mute and deaf spirit, I command you, come out of him and never enter him again. And after crying out and convulsing him terribly, it came out and the boy was like a corpse, so that most of them said, he's dead. But Jesus took him by the hand and lifted him up and he arose And when he had entered the house, his disciples asked him privately, why could we not cast it out? And he said to them, this kind cannot be driven out by anything but prayer. The disciples of Jesus Christ must have been very, very confused. Because think about this with me. Early in Jesus' ministry, Jesus had commissioned them to go into the community without him and do the things that he had been doing. And they did it, right? Uh, If you back to previous lessons, these disciples healed the sick and, and demons were subject to him or to them in Jesus' name. It was an amazing time for these disciples and it appeared somewhat easy for them. It seemed like nothing could stop these guys, right? Jesus reminds them, they, they come back and they're so excited and Jesus, they're like, Jesus, demons are subject to us. And, and Jesus says, guys, don't be so excited that demons are subject to you in my name. Be excited that your name is written in heaven. Be excited about your standing before God. And now Jesus is gone for just a few days and, and they're faced with a new challenge and they can't do anything with it. I've been pointing you back to Moses a lot in this series of lessons about Jesus because there's so many similarities, and we see another one here. In the Old Testament account of Moses, as he's on the mountain receiving the law of God, when he comes off the mountain, what does he find? He finds a faithless people, doesn't he? He, he, he finds a, a, a people who are weary with his absence. And he finds a people making a golden calf and worshiping that instead of God. And now, here in this story, although the disciples don't appear to be in open rebellion to God, they are certainly faithless. They are struggling with their faith. And Jesus cries out, how long? Jesus is lamenting this faithless generation, this faithless argumentative crowd that his own disciples are a part of. After all they had been through with Jesus, you would think that by now these guys would have learned the lesson, right? I mean, how slow are they? Probably as slow as us. (laughs) But they hadn't. They hadn't learned the lesson. They had faith, but it seems like their faith goes away when they need it most. And so the question becomes, as we look at this story, why? Why could they not cast out this demon? Maybe they thought they had the power in themselves. Maybe they thought, uh, we got this. We don't even need Jesus for this. Maybe they thought they could do it without bothering God. I don't know. But here's something, before we dive into the heart of this lesson, that we all know that I want to remind you of today. And that is, there is evil in this world. There is evil in this world. You don't have to look hard. You don't have to look long to see examples of evil upon evil upon evil in this world. Think about this with me as well. Even with the glory of Jesus made manifest in in Peter's great confession and his transfiguration on the mountain, the power of evil was still in the world. Even though Jesus was revealed and even though Jesus was the Messiah, the power of evil continued to exist. Now, 
There is a great day coming. Listen to me. There's a great day coming when all evil will be completely and totally removed. There is a day coming when only love will remain. But that day has not yet been realized. That day is not yet here. And until it does, with the return of Jesus, evil is going to be in this world. You and I can't ignore it. We cannot pretend it doesn't exist. And we certainly can't coexist it with it in our lives. Instead, we've got to confront it in the name and in the power of Jesus Christ. Because here's the truth. Evil is no respecter of persons. It just isn't. Whether you're young, old, male, female, black, white, believer, unbeliever, every, every time evil will come at each and every one of us. But here's what I know. Based on the authority of the almighty word of almighty God, evil will not win. Because of Jesus Christ, evil has lost the war and one day will be completely vanquished just like this demon here in Mark chapter 9. Evil is going to be completely cast away. And I just want to remind you in case you have forgotten this morning, evil doesn't win. Evil does not get the last word. Jesus gets the last word. So does he have your life? Does he have your life this morning? Back to our story, I get a little carried away when I talk about stuff like that. I just think it's so important for us to be reminded. We don't have to sit around moping or sit around just confused and sit around discouraged. No, evil does not win. Jesus does. But there's a word that jumps out at me as we read this. It says it twice. You read it first in verse 14, and then you see it again in verse 16. It's the word arguing. Did you see that? Did you see that? As Jesus comes off the mountain, he encounters his disciples arguing. Now, I don't know who they're arguing with. Are they arguing with each other? Are they arguing with portions of the crowd? I don't know, but I do know that their failure has led to this moment. Again, we're not told who's involved in this argument with the apostles, but I do know this, it's causing quite a scene. Were they, were they arguing, and as they argued, did the apostles' pride spring up? Hey, it's not our fault. If that guy would have had more faith, we would have been able to cast out this demon. Is that what the argument was? Or maybe, maybe the scribes and Pharisees were there challenging these disciples and challenging every move that they made. Were those, were those, were those Pharisees there glorying in their failure? Is that what led to this argument? Who can say? I don't know. But I want you to think about this. As they are arguing, as they are raising their voices, shaking their fists, and pointing their fingers, all the while, this father's son remains in this terrible state. Oppressed by evil and conquered by the enemy. And I just got to say this. Sadly, sadly, this is what too many people see when they look at the church today. People all around us are oppressed and they're conquered by evil. And, and, and we have the remedy we have the remedy that they, we, that, that they need. And yet far too often, aren't we doing the same thing, arguing with each other? Usually we're arguing with other believers about stuff that doesn't even matter instead of pointing people to the remedy who is Jesus Christ. So can we just, can we just, can we just make a statement today that we're not going to get in the way of, of people coming to Jesus? Can we do that? 
People in need don't care about our fine points of interpretation. They don't care about who's right. They don't care about who's wrong. They don't care about who's at fault. They don't care. What they need is someone to love them and show them Jesus. What they need is help. And please don't miss this. They need Jesus. And so let's, let's just get people to him. Remember that we are called to be ambassadors of Jesus Christ. And so let's make the commitment today that we will not make it harder for people to get to Jesus. Can we do that? Can we say, I'm not going to, if it's about an argument, that's crazy talk. I'm going to stop that. I need people to get to Jesus. I don't care about anything else but getting people to Jesus. Let's make that commitment this morning, church, to not be a grumbling, arguing people who are putting roadblocks in way of people that are trying to find the remedy for their needs, which is Jesus Christ. When Jesus gets here, the father steps forward and explains what's going on. And this father's losing hope. Doubts are beginning to creep up on him. Shadows are closing in. This father knows he's out of options. And, and I don't know about you, but, but I can hear the desperation in his voice as I read of this exchange between Jesus and him, Right? He says, if, if you can do anything, Jesus, have compassion on us and help us. And Jesus says, if? Really? You're going to ask me if I can do anything? And then he says, listen, all things are possible to him who believes. And I just got to ask you again, do you, sitting in this auditorium this morning, believe that? Do you believe that all things are possible to him who believes? I hope that you do. Because it is a reality and it is true. Someone, though, sitting in this auditorium this morning, listening to this live stream, you need to hear this. You need to hear that all things are possible for him who believes. Maybe, maybe you're like this father this morning and you too are losing hope. Doubt is creeping in on you. You're starting to wonder, does prayer even work? Does God even hear you're, you're, the enemy's whispering in your, hear, in your ear and you're here this morning and you're not even sure why. And you're crying out, just like this father, I, I don't know what to do, but God, if you can do something. And I want you to know that Jesus' words to you today are the same as they were to this father. All things are possible to him who believes. So let's just talk through this. Conquering that sin in your life that continues to come and continues to creep up and continues to drive you crazy, it is possible for those who have faith in Jesus Christ. Overcoming that addiction that you keep running back to in difficult times, and even when times aren't difficult, uh, that, that addiction that keeps springing up in your life, it is possible to be defeated in the name and in the power of Jesus Christ because all things are possible to him who believes. Bringing love back into your loveless marriage, that's possible because all things are possible with Jesus, repairing damaged relationships between you and a sibling or you and a loved one, it's possible. Getting to a new place in your faith, you know, you know, taking that next level of commitment and saying, I'm going there, it's possible with Jesus Christ. Recovering from your failure, whatever that failure might be, it's possible because all things are possible in Jesus Christ. And remember this too, at my saddest, Jesus is my happiness In the middle of my biggest challenge, Jesus is my overcomer. 
Remember this. In the middle of my biggest struggle, Jesus is the rock that I cling to. He's the one that I hold to. In my shame, Jesus is the lifter of my head. In my shame, he, he's, he's lifting me out of that. In my victory, it's Jesus who's singing over me. And at my worst, Jesus has been and he will always be the answer. Somebody say amen. Goodness gracious church. All things are possible to him who believes. All things are possible. This father, maybe like some of you sitting in the chairs today, cries out, Lord, I believe. Help me. Help my unbelief. This father is saying, I've, I've heard, I've heard you've done amazing things in the life of other people, but I believe it, but I, I need it in my own life. I, I need it for me today. I, I have witnessed, I have heard of your greatness, but I need it in my life. I've heard and I want to believe, but I, but I need you to step into my world and to take away the nagging doubt, to take away that voice that says it's not possible. He cries, help my unbelief. It seems it seems that this father is unable to fully believe, to fully trust. But listen, he's desperate enough to ask for a miracle anyway. Listen to me. This man will not sit still in fear. He doesn't know how it's going to turn out. He doesn't know what's going to happen. But he knows nothing's going to change if he keeps his mouth shut. And so even though he doesn't know how it's going to turn out, he pleads. And he pleads, listen... He pleads just as he is. He pleads as a doubter. And Jesus responds. Jesus responds. Jesus, Jesus doesn't ask him to get his faith on straight before he moves to help him. Jesus doesn't require him to have all the answers to all the questions before he heals his son. No. Jesus is moved with compassion. And, and I don't know if you see this in the text, but I certain do. He is angry at evil, and he does something about it. He lifts this boy up from the clutches of evil. This morning, hear me. This morning, you don't have to have perfect understanding of who Jesus is. You don't have to understand everything in the Bible. You don't have to have it all figured out, because by the way, none of us do. You don't even have to be able to find the book of Habakkuk in the Old Testament. You don't have to be able uh, to do any of those things. You don't, you don't even have to get rid of all your doubt. You just have to have enough faith to cry out to Jesus. And he will meet you where you are. And he will move you forward from there. He will change you. As the Bible says in 2 Corinthians 3, one degree of glory at a time to be more and more and more like his son by the spirit of God that lives in you. I want you to see something else here. In verses 26 through 28, Mark is using some very specific language. He's using resurrection language. He uses the word, he lifts him up. He, he uses the word arose, right, arises. 
Those words are pointing to something far more than just the physical movements of Jesus and this boy. They are pointing to Jesus' resurrection power. And that resurrection power, hear me, that resurrection power is available to you today. Do you believe it? Do you believe that his resurrection power is available to you today? Romans chapter 8 verse 11. The Spirit of God who raised Jesus from the dead lives in you. Right? Does it or does it not, church? The Spirit of the living God who raised Jesus from the dead lives in you. And just as God who raised Jesus from the dead, he will give life to your mortal bodies by the same Spirit living within you. So, come to him in your doubts this morning. Come to him and find a resurrection for your weary soul. Find resurrection for your dreams. Find a resurrection of hope. Find a resurrection of faith. Have you ever stopped and asked the question, why? Why does Jesus help this dad? He helps because he is compelled by love. We said this last week. I want to say it again. Jesus is compelled by love. Jesus moves in the life of this father and son because for the one who came to seek and save the lost, hope hope is not a myth. And faith is not some pipe dream, some pie-in-the-sky thinking. No. It's available. And it's found in Jesus Christ. One more thing. This account closes with Jesus and his apostles behind closed doors. They come to Jesus and they say, what happened? Why? Why, Why couldn't we cast this demon out? And Jesus says, This kind only is removed by prayer. But did you read the same thing I read? Because Jesus is not pictured as praying when this demon is cast out. So what's going on here? This is not about some ritual we call prayer. It's not about saying the right things in the right order, in the right ways, at the right time. Jesus says this kind can only come out by a regular practice of the presence of God. A regular practice of prayer. prayer. The disciples' power for ministry depends upon the quality of their time spent in the presence of God. And the same is true of us. The same is true of us. You see, if prayer is only what you turn to when you're in need or when some particular situation arises, we're not going to be all that successful in dealing with what's in front of us. And that's the problem, isn't it? (laughs) Most of us are doing what I heard someone refer to last week as drive-by prayer. 
Lord, bless my life. Lord, am I supposed to be in this relationship? And we don't ever stop long enough to just be in the presence of God, to just hear from God. Uh, God speaks to us. You know that, right? He speaks to us through his word. He speaks to us through circumstances. He speaks to us through other people. Jesus, the Lord, speaks to us. But we don't stay still long enough to hear from God. We don't meditate. We don't have a devotion life where we actually set aside time just for him. And here's the crazy thing. We actually set aside time for things that take us away from Jesus. But we don't set aside time for the things that are going to draw us close to his heart. And then we wonder, well, why isn't things going the way that I want? Why can't I beat this? Why can't I do that? Why can't this? Why, 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 why? And so like these apostles, God's power, it's not tapped into. But if prayer, prayer becomes a way of life, if we're spending regular quality time in the presence of God, I am convinced we will see God's power and display in new, amazing faith-building ways. Don't believe me? How about you try it before you say you don't believe? How about you try it? I hope I'm not coming across as angry this morning. I'm certainly not. I just want you to see what's available to us in Jesus Christ. You see, it's all about faith from beginning to end. From beginning to end. Whoo, I need a nap. Can we just pray? Let's just pray. Father, you are good to us. You're so much better to us than we deserve. And I believe that all things are possible to the one who has faith in your son. You have proven that time and time and time again. And so God, I'm crying out like this, Father, Lord, I believe. Help my unbelief. God, remove the doubts that often creep up into every heart, into every mind, into every life. God, show us again your resurrection power to bring new life to things that look hopeless and dead. Father, in the name of Jesus, we pray for you to be praised and glorified on this earth because you are worthy of it in every possible way. God, resurrect our hopes, resurrect our dreams, resurrect our vision for the future Help us to desire to spend that regular time with you. God, give us a, a fresh wind of your spirit so that we can be on fire for you and not for the things that take us away from you. God, we love you. I know we don't always show it, but we do. We love you. And so help our deeds outrun our words. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen. Thanks again for listening. If you are in North Alabama, we would love to have you visit and worship with us. Also, if this lesson blessed you today, don't forget to hit the share button and share this message with someone else. Hope you will join us again next week. As we close, here is our prayer for you. I pray that God 
the source of hope, will fill you completely with joy and peace because you trust in him. Then you will overflow with confident hope through the power of the Holy Spirit. Have a great week. Thanks again for listening. If you are in North Alabama, we would love to have you visit and worship with us. Also, if this lesson blessed you today, don't forget to hit the share button and share this message with someone else. Hope you will join us again next week. As we close, here is our prayer for you. I pray that God, the source of hope, will fill you completely with joy and peace because you trust in him. Then you will overflow with confident hope through the power of the Holy Spirit. Have a great week.